I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one 844-COSENTIX. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, live on Sirius XM Channel 111 every weekday at noon east. Megan Kelly, welcome to the Megan Kelly Show. A story that has been incredibly difficult to tell is getting even more challenging today as the fog of war and, to put it kindly, irresponsible reporting leads to chaos, violence, and canceled diplomatic meetings that actually could have helped prevent more death and destruction. Shortly after this show ended yesterday, we started seeing reports about a hospital bombing inside of Gaza. The news was devastating. Video posted by the New York Times showing the moment of impact. Claims from the Palestinians and their media enablers were that hundreds of people had been killed, children hurt. The Palestinians said Israel was responsible. And almost without question, the media and politicians on the left in particular took the news and ran with it. This is just a small sampling of the headlines in the social media posts. The BBC, hundreds killed in Israeli strike on Gaza hospital, Palestinians officials citing them. CNN, Palestinian Health Ministry, says 200 to 300 people may have been killed in an Israeli strike on hospital in Gaza. New York Times, not to be outdone. Israeli strike kills hundreds in hospital, Palestinians say. The Times would later amend that headline to take out Israel, like on the fourth try, third or fourth. Al Jazeera English, Israeli air attacks have killed hundreds of Palestinians in hospital in Gaza City, where thousands are seeking medical treatment and shelter. And then there are other politicians, including, of course, squad member Rashida Tlaib. You can always count on the congresswoman to show restraint. Israel just bombed, she tweeted, the Baptist hospital, killing 500 Palestinians, doctors, children, patients, just like that. At POTUS, meaning president, This is what happens when you refuse to facilitate a ceasefire and help de-escalate. Your war and destruction only approach 
has opened my eyes and many Palestinian Americans and Muslim Americans like me will remember where you stood. Remember, this is the same person who kept her mouth noticeably shut, repeatedly refusing to condemn the murders of Israeli babies by Hamas terrorists. Remember when the Fox News reporter got in her face over and over, she couldn't muster one word of sympathy. A similar, if slightly subdued message was also put out by her pal, Ilan Omar, as she says, IDF reportedly blew up the hospital. Now, the Israelis issued a statement initially saying in part that the IDF was investigating and wanted to prioritize accuracy. So at this point, a responsible journalist might say, let's take a step back, wait for more. But the seeds had already been sown and man, were they dangerous. The people who hate Israel took the lack of an immediate denial as an admission of guilt, or perhaps they just wanted to believe it. Never mind that about two hours later, the IDF released its security assessment after reviewing all the facts, saying a barrage of rockets were fired by terrorists inside Gaza toward Israel. They passed in close proximity to the hospital at the time that hospital was hit. Israel understood quite early this came from Gaza. It came from the Palestinian side. Videos were released, surveillance footage appearing to show a large barrage of rockets being launched from northern Gaza at Israel. By the way, this was an attempt to kill civilians, Israeli civilians, followed by a massive blast on the Gaza side. Another video here and what the IDF says is raw video showing a rocket aimed at Israel, misfiring and exploding at the same moment the hospital was hit. Look at that. In fact, one video was actually airing on Al Jazeera. It was broadcast live, appearing to show a failed rocket launch at the same time of the hospital attack. You can see it. You can see the, the, the missile explode and go off course, and then you can see the hospital explosion. So that's the assessment. But there's more. An IDF spokesman also came out and said it wasn't even Hamas that fired this rocket. It was Islamic Jihad, which is another armed group inside of Gaza. Watch this. I can confirm that an analysis of the IDF operational systems indicates that a barrage of rockets was fired by terrorists in Gaza, passing in close proximity to the El Hali Al Mahdi hospital in Gaza at the time it was hit. Intelligence from few sources that we have in our hands indicates that the Islamic Jihad is responsible for the failed rocket launch which hit the hospital in Gaza. I repeat, this is the responsibility of Islamic Jihad that killed innocents in the hospital in Gaza. We should say here, Islamic Jihad is denying Israel's claims, saying it had no operations in the area. Weird, where did all those rockets come from? Because we see them. Israel has released what it says now is a roughly one minute intercepted call between two Hamas operatives who discuss the rocket that landed on the Gaza hospital. We have voiced over the translated part of that call. Listen. I am telling you, this is the first time that we see a missile like this falling. And so that's why we are saying it belongs to the Palestinian Islamic. What? 
they are saying it belongs to Palestinian Islamic Jihad. It's from us? It looks like it. Who says this? They are saying that the shrapnel from the missile is local shrapnel and not like Israeli shrapnel. I mean, you're not going to get closer to a smoking gun than that. Folks responding online to the IDF's account refuse to believe this is real, of course. Last night, President Biden released a statement that said, in part, I'm outraged and deeply saddened by the explosion at the hospital in Gaza and the terrible loss of life that resulted and have directed my national security team to continuing gathering to continue gathering information about what exactly happened. The president was already wheels up en route to Israel when we learned that a planned meeting he had in Jordan was suddenly off. So much for diplomacy. Done. Good job, Palestinians. Good job, Islamic Islamic Jihad. You got what you wanted. Meantime, Hezbollah declared that today they're up in, of course, Lebanon, uh, and they hate Israel as much as Hamas does. And they've declared that today, uh, the day of President Biden's visit, should be a, quote, an unprecedented day of anger, unprecedented day of anger against Israel. But no need to wait until Wednesday. Rage was already unfolding in the wake of this allegation that it was Israel and the media enablers reports that it was Israel killing 500 civilians in a hospital, helpless civilians at the evil Israeli's hand that led to this scene, these scenes around the globe. Allahu Akbar! Allahu Akbar! You get it. Those were scenes from Amman, Jordan. Protesters taking to the streets, trying to gain access to the Israeli embassy. Security forces managing to push them back. Now to Turkey, where a large crowd gathered near the Israeli consulate. Watch. Look at the numbers. Police had to prevent protesters from storming the consulate. Israel has now told its citizens to get out of that country. In probably one of the most disturbing scenes, protesters outside of the U.S. embassy in Beirut, Lebanon, raising the Palestinian flag alongside the flag of Hamas outside of our facility. Watch this. Following those protests, the U.S. State Department authorized a voluntary departure from Lebanon of Americans working for the embassy, along with their families. Over in Iran, this is just stunning tape, a massive crowd developed outside of the British and French embassies in Tehran. protesters chanting death to Israel, death to France, death to England, death to, death to all the Westerners. They burned Israeli flags and threw eggs at the wall of the French embassy. In Toronto, Canada, pro-Hamas crowds actually chanted 
for the decapitation of Israelis. They're chanting off with their heads. What in the actual F? Meantime, here at home in New York City, protesters burned the Jewish state's Star of David flag and celebrated. I'm sorry, but that that Allahu Akbar makes my skin crawl. It makes my skin crawl. This is what you hear before they kill innocent civilians. This is their rallying cry when they're burning things and calling for beheadings. It makes my skin crawl. At one point, the pro-Palestinian protesters screamed, you bombed a hospital, which, okay, no. And counter-protesters supporting Israel screamed back at them, terrorists. Overnight, Israel also released what it says is footage from the area before and after the rocket launch. This is important. Saying it appears the scene of the fire was not even the hospital. It was a parking lot near the hospital. Saying there are no visible craters, unlike the damage caused by an IDF ordinance. President Biden is now in Israel. He's meeting with leaders, including Benjamin Netanyahu, and this morning had this to say. I was deeply saddened and outraged by the uh, explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday. And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team, not, not you. But there's a lot of people out there not sure. So we've got, we got to overcome a lot of things. They're not sure. Why are they not sure? Why? Because the media took the Hamas claim that Israel did it and killed 500 suffering civilians and ran with it. Ran with it. President Biden expected to speak by phone with the Egyptian and the Palestinian leaders who canceled on him uh, as he headed out to the Middle East. In the meantime, the fighting continues and Israel is said to be amassing some tens of thousands of soldiers preparing for a possible ground invasion into Gaza. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. Arcseedkits.com. Joining me now, Buck Sexton, co-host of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. Buck, in addition to his media accomplishments, uh, is a former CIA guy and understands these things on an important level. Buck, this is dark. This is, I mean, things are getting, it's a powder keg right now uh, in these Arab countries, which don't give a damn about after the fact corrections or daytime pictures showing it was a parking lot. 
hundreds are not dead. And oh, by the way, it was Islamic Jihad, not the Israelis. Yeah, the truth doesn't matter to the so-called Arab street when it comes to uh, incidents like this. And anything that involves the Israelis, uh, they believe what they want to believe. And they've been essentially trained, you could argue, even brainwashed by their own media and some of their own regimes, depending on which Middle Eastern country we're talking about, to blame a whole range of things on the Israelis. Um, the conspiracy theories uh, stretching back for, well, uh, longer than I've been alive uh, in the Middle East about Israel are widely believed. And what you have here, I think, is a situation where there's a desperate attempt to try to create some immediate moral equivalency between Israel and Hamas, given that Hamas just murdered 1,400 people. I mean, it wasn't a military operation. It was a terrorist attack. They just decided to kill as many civilians as they possibly could. So this is a uh, a moment of, I think, clarity for the world. I do think this is civilization versus barbarism. Um, but you're also seeing the depths of the anti-Semitism that exists in the Middle East and, and around the world for that matter, uh, and the desire on the part of the Western media as well, not just sort of, you know, a a Arab satellite TV, to find some reason to look at Israel and say, you know, you're on a similar moral plane to Hamas, or look at look at what you do here. Um, they jumped on this. It was all based on Hamas sourcing initially, and that should have been the first red flag. Um, also, if Israel wanted to blow up hospitals in Gaza, it could blow up all the hospitals in Gaza in a matter of minutes. There's nothing that they would be able to do to stop it. In fact, they could blow up all the buildings in Gaza if they wanted to. They're trying to do strikes against Hamas and Hamas militants in leadership. There is no reason. It, it's implausible that the Israelis in the opening moments before they've even got the ground invasion going would hit one of the most sensitive civilian targets in all of Gaza City. But the media ran with it, and they ran with it because of their own ideological biases. It's absolutely chilling. Uh, it's one thing to sort of put your thumb on the scale and get it a little wrong your way. We, we're used to the CNNs of the world doing that, not to mention BBC and so on. This is something entirely different. I mean, this this is a dereliction of duty that's going to cost lives. Um, it, they, they took an already powder kegged region and lit lit a match. Um, and there's there's almost no accountability for it. Even the corrections that we're now seeing today are quiet and don't acknowledge the previously wrong reporting explicitly. It's the quiet scrubbing of the wrong headline and replacing it with one that's closer to right. Meanwhile, these citizens are our staffs at the U.S. embassy in Beirut and the consulate are the Israelis staffs at these consulates and embassies throughout the world, not to mention actual Israelis in our country and elsewhere are in real danger as a result of all of this. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's a there's a recklessness to this kind of reporting. Um, and, and you're seeing that, I think, with the further inflamed uh, tensions in different cities around the world where people are uh, obviously deeply passionate about this issue. I mean, uh, one thing that that I um, that hasn't changed, you know, Megan, I actually started my national security career, uh, if you will, working in uh, Middle East policy think tanks when I was in college. And I spent a summer working for Clinton's negotiator for the Camp David Accords, Ambassador Dennis Ross, uh, as a researcher. So this was my my first 
experience with all of this, uh, stretching back now well over 20 years, was what was then called Arab-Israeli conflict. Now people usually say Israeli-Palestinian. And, and what you see is that the narratives haven't changed at all. Uh, the sentiment hasn't changed at all. You have a lot of Middle Eastern countries use this issue, um, and a lot of Islamic communities around the world use this issue both as an excuse for anti-Semitism and, and also as an excuse for their own failures as states, speaking specifically in, in the Middle Eastern context. Uh, they all pretend to care so much. There's these endless lamentations on behalf of the Palestinians in moments like this. But what you also see is what have those states been doing? I mean, Gaza is is a is a desperately poor and nasty place to live. It has been for many years. All these countries, all these places where there are protests, you'd want to ask, where were these regimes? Where were these individuals, these groups trying to do anything to help the Palestinian people beforehand? No, it's when it's useful for their hatred of Israel and Jews that all of a sudden you see this massive increase in concern for the Palestinians. You have all yes. these other you know, regional actors decide, oh my gosh, well, it, Israel needs to be proportionate. Israel can't overreact. Overreact? I mean, I remember what it was like after 9-11. I joined the CIA because of 9-11. Um, people walking around saying, you better not overreact. Uh, we were looking at them like, we're going to war because that's the reaction that this demands. And that's exactly the mentality of the Israeli people as it should be right now. Um, so th they're putting these artificial constraints, this idea that that the Israelis are going to be able to fight a battle against a terrorist entity that isn't going to have any civilian casualties, that isn't going to cause any humanitarian issues. Um, that's absurd. It's impossible. But it's also entirely necessary that Israel go in. And this time, it's different. They're not just trying to punish Hamas and say, stop it. If you don't, you know, if you don't knock this off, we're going to blow up all your arms, caches. We're going to come after your leadership. I think this time around, it has to be a war of Hamas elimination, meaning destroying it as an entity, making it effectively so uh, enfeebled that it can no longer threaten the state of Israel. So that's the escalation from the Israeli side. And it's deserved. It's necessary. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I want to get to the military aspect of this in one minute, but let's spend another minute first on the the ne'er-do-wells who spread this lie and so far are sticking by it in many cases. Rashida Tlaib, I mean, the absolute worst. I read the the tweet. Israel just bombed this hospital, killing 500 Palestinians just like that. That's a lie. None of that appears to be correct. It wasn't an Israeli bomb, and it doesn't look like 500 Palestinians died at all. Doctors, children, patient. No, it does not appear that that's the case. It's still up. She hasn't taken it down. This isn't some tweeter. This is an elected U.S. congressperson. This person actually has a hand in saying what the laws and the U.S. policy will be around issues like this. Um, and in fact, she was retweeting somebody as her evidence about, oh, Israel's own spokesperson admitted they did it. And the person she's pointing to as Israel's spokesperson is some online influencer who is not an Israeli spokesperson at all. This is her. Like, it's chilling. And it comes, obviously, from her hatred for Israel. Then you've got the L.A. Times, Adam Elmarek, who's truly one of the worst. I mean, he this guy, he's I feel like he's two steps away from just tweeting out in Arabic. Uh, he continued to tweet all last night. Remember the following Israeli denials often fall apart. Hamas's bombs don't usually cause 
this much damage. It's important to report that. You're not doing it right unless you report that. Okay. Did did you think to pause and ask yourself, is that much damage accurate? Is the damage that we're being told was done by Hamas accurate? Adam, would you like to wait and find out? Then he says the burden is on Israel to demonstrate its extraordinary claim that it was a Hamas rocket. Uh, some that this that a Hamas rocket, which usually kills maybe one at a time, somehow leveled a hospital. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. This isn't all that difficult, folks. Now they've released actual audio tape of Hamas saying it was Islamic Jihad launching this rocket. Has this guy come out and said, my God, they actually did release very clear evidence that it was Islamic Jihad? No, no, he hasn't. All he said is, oh, in the light of day, it appears that they hit a parking lot. That's it. That's all. This is so dishonest and dangerous, Buck. Well, they wanted to use it um, in the moment. And it doesn't matter to the people who ran with it as an as an attack, as as an as a, a cudgel, a weapon um, to bludgeon the Israelis reputation with. Uh, it doesn't matter that it was false. Them. They, they don't care. I mean, we, we often see this even with far more minor uh, reports of uh, terrorist attacks, let's say in the U.S., you know, they'll they'll say we can never know the motives if they're concerned that it's, you know, a a jihadist, a Muslim conducting an attack. If they think that it's possibly a, a white guy who's a Republican, they run with that right away. And it doesn't matter when they have to change the story later on. Right. Meaning that if they have an opening to try to effectively uh, jump to a conclusion that's useful politically to defame a whole group of people, right? It's it's always about, oh, it's not just this person, it's all of them. So in this instance, it's not that Israel made a mistake, it's the Israelis are bad. That's the whole notion that they were trying to push by running with this right away. Um, and and they still feel entirely, entirely justified in it, Megan, because they've already convinced themselves that Israel here is the really bad actor. The, to understand the true toxicity of the leftist thinking around all things Palestine, you have to know that they blame the Israelis for everything, meaning every action that the Palestinians or that Hamas or Palestinian Islamic Jihad or Hezbollah or any of these uh, groups take is the fault of the Israelis in the minds of these people, right? So no matter what Hamas does, it is Israel's fault. That is the basic formulation that a lot of people on the left, in the media, around the world, including here in America, including here in Congress, approach these issues with. So it isn't about accuracy, because to them, there's a greater truth. The truth about who actually bombed this hospital, so right. you know, isn't isn't what's relevant to them. The greater truth is that Israel is the bad actor here. Israel is the bad guy. That's, That's what they so really right. believe. And anything that goes to that is therefore to be reported and pushed as fast and as far as possible and then the cleanup is nothing. Just forget it. Oh, mistakes happen. It's like directionally accurate, directionally. You know mm -hmm. what? We all agree Israel's the bad guy. If we make a few errant you know, mistakes in getting us there, so be it. Just a few, a little bit more color um, on the reporting and also just this in this this just in from The New York Times. President Biden, we played you the sound by saying it appears to be the other team who launched this, not Israel. Uh, he was asked what led him to that conclusion. And he said, uh, the data I was shown by my defense department, he's saying it was American, uh, the American Pentagon that showed him 
this was Islamic Jihad. This was not the Israelis. So he's not relying on IDF. But the IDF, of course, we've laid out the evidence, has come to the same conclusion. It's pretty obvious. Um, just a, a little bit more color on how the reporting went down. New York Times first reported, I read some of it before, an Israeli airstrike hit a Gaza hospital, killing at least 200 Palestinians. Okay, not true. Then it updated. At least, at least 500 people were killed by an Israeli airstrike at a Gaza hospital. Once again, not true on any front. Then the third one uh, that comes out, Israeli airstrike hits Gaza hospital, killing 500. No, not true. And that one came an hour after the IDF statement saying it wasn't us. It was Islamic Jihad. And even at that point, I mean, the New York Times knows well enough to say, who generally do I believe? The Israeli Defense Forces, which took the time to actually do some analysis before they put out a statement, or the terrorists who just beheaded a bunch of children and murdered women in the streets and old ladies. Like who, if I, if I have to go with one statement, who would I go with? No. So that was the third try around. They still were saying Israeli airstrike killing 500. And then eventually they got, got around to taking out who was to blame. Um, so wrong on several fronts. I read the CNN, the BBC, Rashida Tlaib. Let me just give you a flavor um, on some of the politicians and the international bodies. Cornell West, who's a presidential candidate right now. This is carnage and nothing short of a war crime. Congress must pass a resolution calling on Israel to cease and desist targeting civilians and children immediately. The only one targeting civilians and children is Hamas. This was not a war crime. This, if it was, it was by Hamas and Palestinian Jihad, Islamic Jihad. Justin Trudeau, you can always count on him. The news coming out of Gaza is horrific, absolutely unacceptable. International law must be respected. In this and all cases, there are rules around wars. It's not acceptable to hit a hospital. Tell it to the Islamists, Justin. UN Secretary General appeared to blame Israel as well. I'm horrified by the killing of hundreds of Palestinian civilians in a strike on a hospital in Gaza. Hospitals and medical personnel are protected under international humanitarian law. Same with the WHO, all immediately reacting to this news out of the propaganda arm of Hamas, which was cited, this, this, the Palestinian health ministry. That's the Hamas propaganda arm. All ran with it. It's absolutely disgusting, Buck and I, as I looked at those videos last night out of, you know, Beirut and Jordan and Iran, we can go down the list. I was struck by how little it takes to let them unleash the hatred. And I also wondered where it's going to go, right? Now, I, I know it sounds kind of silly, like an, an unprecedented day of rage. That's what they want today. Un, not just a day of rage, an unprecedented day of rage. Reminded me of the scene from A Few Good Men. I strenuously object. And the guys, is that how we do it? I object, overruled. But I strenuously object. Oh, it's not just a day of rage. It's unprecedented. But these, these people mean it. These people have true yeah. evil in their hearts. There's something very important that was also shown yesterday as a result of this incident. And if you just look, if you just open your eyes and you're honest about it, you can see it with clarity. The notion to to all these people, these news agencies, these even heads of state, including in the West, the death of it was reported at one point, 500 people was less of the story than it's Israel's fault. If it could be Israel's fault, that was the most important thing to a lot of these individuals. Was it 200? Was it 500? What happened? None of that matters. The thing they were jumping on first and foremost 
was Israel's committed a war crime. Look at this. That was the part of it. It wasn't, oh my gosh, what can we do to, to you know, get resources to this hospital right away? And, and you know, we, we need uh, more accurate reporting so we know exactly what happened here. The first impulse of a lot of these individuals was that the most important outcome of what seems to be a, a, a mass, I mean, a mass casualty accident by Palestinian Islamic Jihad, based on all the, all the information we have, um, but the thing that mattered to them the most was that it was Israel's fault. And of course, it's not Israel's fault. So that's that changes the story dramatically. But behind all of this, there's always this uh, this false parody that is supposed to exist when we look at these issues. Um, there's always this sense that, you know, Israel and Hamas are, you know, they're both fighting and sometimes they fight dirty and sometimes one goes too far, the other goes too far. Uh, Israel is a law-abiding democratic state where over a million uh, Arabs live happily and with full rights in, inside the state of Israel. Um, Hamas is a designated terrorist entity that when, it, you know, right now we think of because of the 1,400 people killed in the uh, most recent terror attack, but for decades has been supporting suicide bombings um, of buses and suicide bombings of birthday parties. And I mean, the most horrific stuff imaginable. And in this particular moment, I think there's a recognition that this Hamas attack, people are saying, oh, it was to stop Israel from uh, further improved negotiations in the Middle East. I mean, it's, there's some truth to that. And, and I think that that's a, that's a part of the discussion. But this attack was meant to be as sadistic and vengeful and horrific as possible. This Hamas mass casualty attack was a rage against the human beings who are Jews who live in Israel and to show the just the depth of the hatred that Hamas has been building up for decades as an organization and, and certainly over the last few years has been planning something like this. So th there is no moral equivalency. Uh, it's very frustrating to see people uh, try to play that game. Um, and and I, th and I think a lot of it comes from a combination of ignorance and anti-Semitism. Uh, those two things go together. Um, and I think that what you're going to see in a lot of these Middle Eastern countries is more, uh, you know, more protest, more making noise about this, but not a lot of doing anything to actually help any Palestinians. And, and what, what does yeah. that tell you? process you know jordan saying well that's i, I mean we've been talking about how egypt is like well they're not coming in here i don't it's a hard no on taking in any of these refugees into egypt never mind jordan but i do want to talk to you about what what is likely to happen we have the united states president now on the ground there clearly we would not have sent him unless we thought we had something accomplished that he was going to be able to look like a hero for doing um you know blinken's been over there basically since it happened and he was meeting with like palestinians mahmoud abbas and others uh, before they all canceled on our president in the wake of this hospital bombing. So I think they were looking to have some sort of a victory by sending Joe Biden over there, which now doesn't look like it's going to happen. Um, the question is, what will happen? Uh, that They have some 200 hostages in Gaza. There was some reporting that Hamas had said, we'll release them if Israel stops the bombing. We'll release the civilian uh, hostages if Israel stops the bombing, not the military ones. Israel has to release all Palestinians in any Israeli jail uh, if they want their military guys back. But the civilians can leave if they stop bombing. And I don't know, you know, it's the reports are that our president, our, our State Department has been working to craft some sort of a deal on the hostages. Uh, that appears for right now not to be active since we're not having any major meeting while we're over there with 
you know, the people, the Arabs. So what do you make of diplomatically where we stand now? As, as I reported at the top, we've got some tens of thousands of IDF soldiers lining up, getting ready to go in. I think you have to make these diplomatic overtures. So uh, that that's just, um, that's something that you would hope. I mean, this is essentially doing what you can before the seemingly inevitable happens, which is the military uh, conflict that's that's about to unfold here. Uh, the chance of them getting some kind of a of a negotiation that would stop this war from happening, I think, is incredibly slim. It doesn't mean that it is non-existent. And um, you know, whether you're talking to people in the State Department or anybody who's been involved in these kind of high-level negotiations, you know, you you don't lose anything. I think by having discussions about this, or, or at least seeing uh, what the possibilities are. All of that said, uh, you have the biggest terror attack since 9-11 um and one when you look at it as a scale of the israeli people it was it was just a an absolutely abhorrent and appalling number of civilian casualties that demands a response uh how can there be any real talks going forward with hamas as as an entity um how is it uh, how is it acceptable how is it uh a sustainable better way of putting it future for the Israeli state that it now is going to have right on its doorstep an entity that will just decide at random to kill over a thousand Israelis, men, women, children, babies. Um, that's that's completely unacceptable. It's completely unsustainable. And so they tried that. Right. I mean, they, they've shown exactly what happens if you try to let they they pulled out of Gaza. There was a lot of negotiate, a lot of talking, a lot of back and forth over that at the time. Um, and and they pulled out of Gaza and they let Hamas run Gaza. It obviously has turned it into a hellhole, which is not they a surprise. They gave jobs to Gazans inside Israel trying to improve their economic fortunes. No, none of it worked. Hamas ad admitted this week they were all just lying in wait the whole time to, I mean, to surprise Israel with this attack. You know, the, pro the problem here that you deal with is even if you were to get some kind of negotiation that would result in exchange of hostages, Israel has to go in and destroy capture that means capture or kill capture or kill hamas leadership there's no way around that it's not there's not some alternative where now hamas can say all right let's go that's why uh you know let's have a, a ceasefire i mean i saw like aoc for example talking about how well now we need a ceasefire on both sides a, a, a ceasefire they just engaged in a mass casualty terror attack none of those individuals have really i mean not to our knowledge at least have been brought to to justice um, they still have the same infrastructure and and weapons at their disposal to conduct future attacks like that. Um, and they've and, got our hostages. They've got our hostages and Israelis Israel's hostages. She's not focused on them. In, in the Middle East, I mean, anybody who studies it and and has a, a real interest in it, they'll tell you the thing that is respected most of all is force. Um, yeah. Diplomacy is fine. We can talk. We can do all of that. But at the end of the day. Um, the people that are in a position to have their way because they're the strongest and because there are consequences for crossing them are the ones who are going to be listened to. Um, and that's, and I understand right now there's this framing of, oh, well, why does, does Israel need, need vengeance in this moment? It's not about vengeance. It's about justice. And it's about stopping an ongoing threat. If the United States had a terrorist entity that was adjoining its borders, I mean, it was right next door, 
and could come and go effectively with these kinds of attacks as it chose to and was continuing to fire and could continue to fire rockets, we would go in there and we would do what is necessary for our security because we would not think it an acceptable state of affairs to live in constant fear and with the constant possibility that we could be murdered in our beds by some terrorist hit squad, right? So that's the same mentality that the Israeli people have every right to operate with now. I mean, they they really have a duty, I and mean, the IDF and, and the Israeli government has a duty to prevent this kind of thing from happening again. And there is no agreement that you can ever strike with people who would do what Hamas just did that you could count on. I mean, there's no such right. thing as like a handshake or right. a treaty with people who would do what Hamas just did that any there is same no honor. Would hold. All right, stand by, because I do want to get into um, now we've got two aircraft carriers going over there. We've got 2000 Marines and sailors heading closer to Israel militarily. What's going to happen now as Iran continues with some aggressive saber rattling and Vladimir Putin has just weighed in more with Buck straight ahead. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. This is uh, Channel 12's camera. It is a camera situated in the city of Netivot, and its view is of the Gaza Strip. You see the time uh, stamp on this. It's 6.59, and this is when it happens. We can pl press play on the tape, and you can see very clearly. Again, this is Channel 12's camera. Um, you can show that you can see the rockets. This is the uh, left red stamp fired over the hospital, which is the right, and you can see the blast. So that is proof of the fact that it came from the Gaza Strip, uh, our uh, cameras, Channel 12's cameras. Uh, the president of the United States has already said it appears it was done by the other team, meaning he uh, also realizes that it was shooting from inside Gaza over the hospital. Israeli reporting on what we've been telling you uh, all day, which is this rocket came from Palestinian the Palestinian side, not from the Israelis, notwithstanding what you may have read in the press. Welcome back to the Megyn Kelly show. So the military situation, as far as the U.S. is concerned, 2000 Marines and sailors heading closer to Israel, non-combat personnel, non-combat who are waiting to help. Uh, they've been given notice to prepare to deploy at any moment. The Pentagon's been delivering weapons to Israel on a near daily basis. We've got five C-17s that have landed in Israel, fulfilling Israel's Munitions requests, ASAP. We've got the Ford strike group already in the Eastern Mediterranean, the Eisenhower strike group on its way to two of our biggest and best aircraft carriers. One is the biggest. And um, the ground invasion hasn't yet happened. Some said that was because they were waiting for the American president to leave. The Biden administration has said they did not make any such request of Netanyahu. So we do expect the ground invasion to happen, we think at some point soon. In the meantime, Iran, Buck, is saying um, 
their warning of preemptive action against Israel, quote, in the coming hours as Israel gets ready for this ground invasion. The Iranian embassy in Syria tweeted out, time is up. Um, they've repeatedly warned that if Israel goes in on the ground in Gaza, this will be met with, quote, a response from uh, Iran on other fronts and saying the resistance fighters will not allow Israel to do whatever it wants in Gaza. Just a little bit more color. Um, they, let's say, well, that's that's enough for now. Iran threatening that if Israel does what it needs to do, they're going to get involved. And so far, what President Biden has said is don't, don't. So what what is the actual likelihood of Iran getting involved? Because that's a totally different ballgame. I don't think that Iran is likely to uh, be a direct combatant in this. Uh, I, I don't think that you'll see a major escalation uh, from the Iranian side of this. The, the rhetoric is to be expected and you know, the, that they will raise their sword against the Zionist entity and all this stuff. I mean, that's just the way uh, Iran is is going to react to anything that involves the state of Israel um, and, and at a moment of elevated tensions or honestly just in general. Uh, you will see there have already been some clashes in the north with Hezbollah, which is a proxy, um, a proxy arm of Iran, effectively. Uh, there's also Iranian uh, militias operating in Syria, really kind of military or paramilitary groups. Um, so you'll probably see something, some show of resistance with Hezbollah firing rockets, uh, something along those lines uh, in the north. But I, I don't think you'll see anything that would raise to the level of a major Iranian or you know, a major Iranian involvement here, direct military action. Uh, that's why we have U.S. carrier groups in the region, because we could be able to deploy airstrikes uh, with devastating effect if need be. Um, but obviously, that would also be a whole other ballgame. I mean, now you're talking about uh, Iran and the, the Strait of Hormuz and uh, global oil supply and, you know, things get very, um, uh, very scary, very quickly, if you were to see uh, this become a broader conflagration. Uh, so that's why I understand the elevated anxiety about it. I understand people having the concerns that they do, that this could become something that is uh, considerably worse. Um, I just, I don't see that happening. I find that is uh, unlikely, because, you know, the one of the, the you know, the, the Iranians, I don't think want to really get into it with the with the us and the israelis right now um and i think that there's a sense that uh, this i think the outcome here is largely i wouldn't say predetermined but um the israelis are going to go into gaza um they are going to take uh, certainly the northern portion of gaza as an area that they're going to clean out of hamas uh, to the greatest possible degree and then there'll be some uh, efforts to help with the it is already a humanitarian disaster in gaza uh and the question that i can't answer right now is who's in charge of gaza when all this is over um mm -hmm. what what is the governing entity there uh, this is something that i i haven't really heard many compelling answers other than some um fractured maybe version of hamas or some other group comes along and says okay well we'll take over for a little while you know if you're going to remove the leadership which i think is the mission and should be the mission of the israelis in gaza what goes into that vacuum next um, but no i, I do in, not have expectations i mean isn't the leadership in cutter and like these five-star hotels in cutter the hamas leadership and the ones like well, yeah calling there's, all there's the, shots. the there's leadership and then there's the on the ground you know calling the 
uh, calling the shots, so to speak, uh, on the military side of things, on the militant side of things, I mean, they have something like 25, 30,000 fighters, uh, you know, armed uh, combatants in Gaza. So they have a command structure for them. Um, but yes, I mean, they're, they're putting, trying to put pressure on the Middle East uh, countries that play host to Hamas leadership. That certainly would be an option. The problem is those countries all use the Palestinian issue as a yeah. as, a, as a pretense that they care. I mean, this this is where their their motivations, if anything, their sympathies are with the Palestinians. Yeah. Not sympathies, but they're more aligned with what the Palestinians and Hamas would like to do to Israel than they are with Israel. I got to get this in. Vladimir Putin uh, weighs in. Of course, he's waging a war uh, against Ukraine. This is all to the north of the Middle East. If you go north, if you sort of follow the map, you see the Mediterranean just north of. Um, you know, Israel and Gaza. And then you go a little further north and you hit the Black Sea. And then you go a little further north and then you see Russia. And keep that in mind as you listen to this soundbite from Vladimir Putin that we've translated. The United States is getting more and more personally involved in this conflict. They are getting involved. This is obvious. And the, no one say that they have nothing to do with it. We believe they do. In addition, all this is happening against the backdrop of the Middle East conflict. All this heats up the atmosphere. They have brought two aviation groups to the Mediterranean Sea. I would like to say that this is not a threat, which I will now announce and inform you about. But according to my instructions, the Russian Air Force and the Russian Space Force are constantly patrolling the neutral areas of the Black Sea airspace. So that's his answer to our aircraft carriers uh, in the Mediterranean. And is that just Putin looking for attention, trying to flex a muscle? Um, yeah, I, I, I think that uh, un unfortunately, one of the outcomes of what we've seen here is going to be a uh, a change in. Well, Putin has a freer hand to do whatever he wants to do in the meantime uh, in, in Ukraine. And mm. you know he feels like he has stood up to. Um, he has stood up to the forces, uh, you know, ar arrayed against him there quite well up to this point, including all the Western backing and everything else. So, uh, you know, Putin is not going to play a major role in whatever unfolds between Israel and and the Palestinians. Uh, that said, he does have deep ties to Iran and uh, was quite involved in keeping the Assad regime in place in Syria. So he thinks that he has racked up some victories uh, in the region. And thinks of himself as a as a as a power player. So yeah, he's going to he's going to flex muscles and and uh, take this as an opportunity to try to say, you know, look look the, the the U.S. and its and its proxies and its allies are making a mess of things. Yeah, and there's no winners in any of this. But you know, politically speaking, he's as close as we're going to get to winning this thing because we've you know it's just changed the calculus of what America is going to be focused on and what the world's going to be focused on. Yeah. Buck Sexton, always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Megan. We'll be right back with Dennis Prager. I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. 
Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Now for some of the disturbing anti-Semitism that we are seeing around the world and here at home, and particularly, of course, on our college campuses. Uh, Very, very happy to be joined on this issue by a man who's well-versed on it. Dennis Prager, host of The Dennis Prager Show and co-founder of Prager U. Dennis, welcome back to the show. Haven't had a chance to hear your take on anything that's happened over the past 11 days. Uh, in the wake of this volatile evening that we've just experienced and these protests around the world now calling for the destruction of Israel here at home, support and sympathy for those calls on too many college campuses, all elite. What are you thinking this morning? Well, many years ago, I wrote a book titled Why the Jews, The Reason for Anti-Semitism. And about 10 years ago, I made a video for Prager University on the Middle East. I was a graduate student at Columbia at the School of International Affairs at the Middle Eastern Institute. And I remember the foolishness that I was taught by very knowledgeable and bright men. It was men then. And it was that the dispute in the Middle East was over land, that it wasn't theological, and that it certainly wasn't existential. So I learned basically untruths. They weren't liars. They just, they had a predisposition to believing that the issue was land. So in a nutshell, everything that I had been exposed to and wrote and spoke and spoken uh, has unfortunately come true. And the, the best way to put it, is from a 2,000-year-old prayer in Jewish liturgy, which is stated in every Passover Seder in Hebrew, but I'll say it, of course, in English. In every generation, someone arises to annihilate us, not, not just to kill us, not to persecute us, not to enslave us, to annihilate us. There are massive numbers of animosities on earth, religious, ethnic, racial, national, but only one is exterminationist, and that is vis-a-vis the Jew. When they chant, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, what they're saying is, no Israel. And no Israel means no Jews in Israel. And the fact that there are so many people who believe that, who chant that, who wish that, 
uh, is one of the most frightening phenomena of our fairly dark time. At the Sydney Opera, uh, uh, at the Sydney Opera, they had a demonstration. I played it on my radio show, and they chanted, "Gas the Jews!" They chanted it. They, they, and by the way, it's never Israelis. It's always the Jews. So what we're seeing is unfortunately a rerun of what was seen uh, during the Holocaust. I've never used the Holocaust as an analogy, never. I've never called anyone a Nazi, but the, 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 the Hamas and Hezbollah and Iran's regime, uh, they are today's Nazis vis-a-vis -vis the Jews. So in a nutshell, it's, uh, it's a rerun. Hmm. I have been so disheartened, and I'm sure you have too, to see the amount of support for these lunatics here at home. Um, maybe our Jewish friends, maybe you as somebody who's been fighting these university battles for a long time, have been aware of how deep and how widespread the Jew hatred is in America. Uh, I had a sense it was out there. I didn't have a sense that it was this strong and feeling ubiquitous as I see, you know, UPenn, Harvard, Yale, Stanford, we could keep going. And these crowds coming out in favor of Hamas and then the university professors. I'll just give you a sample of the latest. Every day we get more. Uh, I used to live in Chicago for five years. It's absolutely beautiful. The Art Institute is spectacular. And the Art Institute of Chicago is one of the most respected art and design schools in the nation. There is a teacher there named Mika Tosca, associate professor, who posted on Instagram in the wake of this savage attack on Israeli children, elderly and civilians. Here she is. Israelis are pigs, savages, very, very bad people, irredeemable excrement. The propaganda has been downright evil. After the past week, if your eyes aren't open to the crimes against humanity that Israel's committing and has committed for decades, and will continue to commit, then I suggest you open them. It's disgusting and grotesque. May they all rot in hell. That's what's being taught, I guess, at the Art Institute as they swing by. Then you've got Princeton National Review just releasing an exclusive with audio tape of Princeton professor Jeff Dolvin who invited someone named El Kurd, a Palestinian activist, a couple months ago on campus. El Kurd accused Israel's of organ harvesting uh, and of having an unquenchable thirst for Palestinian blood and land. The guy who invited him, Jeff Dolvin, uh, refused to answer when a student audience member asked at that event whether he supports Hamas terrorism. All right, that's Princeton. These are just updates to the horrors we've been hearing out of Harvard and Yale and elsewhere. Um, at UPenn, which has been ground zero for a lot of what we've been seeing on the anti-Israeli rhetoric. Last month, they held this pro-Palestinian festival. And this is what's gotten a lot of the donors mad about some of the rhetoric we heard there. Some of the details now coming out. One of the people who to appear was author Aya Ganama, who has called for death to Israel, and writer Randa Abdel Fattah, who has said Israel is a demonic, sick project, and that she can't wait for the day we commemorate its end. Um, we, I could keep going. You're getting the gist every day. It's a new protest. It's new big reveals about how the professors and always the students for justice in Palestine group 
not to mention the Muslim Student Association, comes out siding with the terrorists and making very clear they want Israel and Jews eliminated. That's right. The rhetoric is identical to that of the Nazis in the in the 30s, and it comes overwhelmingly from within the Muslim world, certainly not all Muslims, but it doesn't matter. Not all Germans were Nazis. Only one third of the Germans voted for Hitler and the Nazis in the last free elections before the Nazi takeover in 1932. You just need a certain number that is enough, and you need a certain number of others who have been intimidated uh, by, by these evil folks. One of the messages of my life has been uh, to warn non-Jews that to dismiss Jew hatred, aka anti-Semitism, as the Jews' problem uh, is to truly uh, commit suicide. Anti-Semitism is the canary in the mine. There Almost everybody knows what that is. So in a nutshell, canaries are taken down to mines. They're more susceptible to noxious fumes. The canary dies. The miner knows, fight the fumes or you will die. The Jews are the miner's canary. And the the miner has uh, two choices. Either say, oh, the fumes only kill canaries, or we better uh, kill the fumes, we, we or we're next. And they dismissed Hitler and the Nazis as the Jews' problem. And it ended up with tens upon tens of millions of non-Jews slaughtered as a result of allowing Hitler to take power. Uh, We are seeing, as I keep using the term, rerun uh, of all of this. Uh, This is coming from within uh, largely the Muslim world, but not only. The left is is either silent or uh, defends these people. For all these years that I, I and others, you, not, I'm certainly not alone in this, uh, but warning the the degradation, the moral degradation of our uh, of our universities. Uh, now people are awakening to it. We had an article uh, by the head of the Wharton School Board of of Trustees, the head, the president of it, saying, "Don't give money to universities." This is the head of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton that's School. That's Mark Rowan, right? Yes, that's right, Mark Rowan. And, uh, the the only silver lining, and I, I I I don't look for silver linings. I don't look for bad things. I try to be as objective as possible. Truth is liberating. But if there is a silver lining, it will be that liberals wake up to the threat that Islamism. Not all of Islam, but Islamism and the left pose to Western civilization. That that to me would be uh, the the one that would be a good thing to come out of all of this. Will the liberal awaken to the threat of the left and the threat of of the Islamist? And and they seem to be. Uh, we'll talk a bit more about some of the feedback because as we get new reports from the campuses every day, we get new reports of mega bucked donors withdrawing their funds by the day. I was saying yesterday, Dennis, that uh, I know a very wealthy donor in New York who got this thing started sort of in an underground network of donors that we were connected to. And the, it was an internal hashtag, not another cupcake, not a not a cupcake at a bake sale to support these schools as when they're teaching 
this radical ideology, whether it's on race, gender, Israel, the, you know, they, they don't respond to pretty much anything except dollars. And even dollars may not do the trick. M Mark Rowan, head of Apollo Group, wrote this letter to UPenn saying, this is insane what you're doing. It has to stop. It has to stop right now. I'm going to pull all my funds and I'm going to tell all my my friends and my rich donors to pull their funds. And and they wouldn't print it. He wanted it to be printed in the school paper. They didn't they they didn't do him the courtesy of even responding. So he had to go to Barry Weiss in the free press, which and she printed it. And now we're seeing more and more. But before we get to them, let me stay on the the, the sins of the universities for a second. Uh, I'm on you, Penn, so I'll stay there. This is just one of many. But we saw this guy. Now, just think about it. There are some 200 hostages right now in Gaza, Israeli civilians who were not engaged in military exercises, who are not under any definition of the rules of war, fair game babies. Hamas has put out the, the picture. They're babies, uh, infants in strollers, not to mention young women who they stole from that music festival. And there and here, people are putting up pictures of the, quote, missing you know, they don't know for sure whether they're hostages, whether they're missing, are they dead? And just trying to get their faces out there. You know, like, has anybody possibly seen them? Has did is there any chance one of them got to New York and is just looking for help? You're right. This is what people do. Well-meaning people. What kind of a person tears down the photos of the missing, suffering civilians? And it's happening more and more. We'll go through a couple of them, but here is UPenn caught on camera. One of the most respected is this is like they all are Ivy League, like Cornell was with a crazy guy saying he was exhilarated and excited the professor to see the Jews die. Um, here's a guy pulling down posters there. Why are you tearing them down? The Innocent people were kidnapped. That, as we now know, is UPenn Law School employee Matthew Renovics. Um, UPenn has appeared to scrub his photo, but as we understand it, he works at the university, maybe in the library. Um, that's one guy. Then we go over to NYU. Video emerged earlier this week of two young women and a man pulling down video or pulling, pulling down the hostage notifications there. Uh, and I'll just show you the video just so I can get you up to speed. Here they are. There are the three of them. Look at them. I mean, they mean it. They love it. They can't get them down fast enough. Um, and now we know, we don't know the man yet, but we know who the two young women are. They've been identified um, as Haviza Kalik and Yasmin Dahimi. Yasmin Dahimi has now deleted both of her Instagram and her Twitter accounts. Her LinkedIn is still live. It lists a 2019 internship with the ADL, which is supposed to be a group divided to fighting anti-Semitism. It's a fail. She, after getting caught, right, her, her picture was circulated all over social media yesterday. Happy to have helped in, in that effort. She got caught. She got outed. Now she's basically forced to apologize, though it wasn't exactly that. She comes out to say she's, um, quote, I have found it increasingly difficult to know my place as a biracial brown woman, especially during these highly volatile times. And now she wants us to believe um, that she does hope for the safe return of the Israeli hostages. Oh, by the way, that post has since been taken down too. So 
Everywhere you go, and I'll give you one more. Uh, here's another group of NYU students ripping down posters of hostages. You're doing a great job, NYU. Great job. Heck of a heck of a job. Uh, here they are ripping down more pictures of the hostages at NYU. Take a look. Hey, guys. Are you defending terrorism, really? You guys really are defending terrorism? Fucking cowards. You should be ashamed of yourself. You should be ashamed of yourself. Yes, you should be ashamed of yourself. Last but not least, Dennis, on, on our parade through the ripping down of the posters, uh, the streets of New York City, where two what appear to be college students gleefully tear down even more. Watch it. What school do you go to? What school do you go to? What school do you go to, miss? So, what do you make of it all? The issue really isn't what I make of it. The issue is, what does the majority of Americans or Westerners in general make of it? I, what I make of it is obvious. These are people who, who have bought into an evil doctrine, truly evil. They, they lie about Israel the way the Nazis lied about Jews. And apparently you can convince a fair number of people, like the charge that Israel is committing genocide. Then how do you explain the fact that there are more Palestinians today than ever before? It's the worst attempt at genocide in the history of attempts of genocide. People, people's numbers, national numbers do not grow when genocide is applied to that group. But they will say anything about, uh, about Israel. What, organ harvesting, you, you mentioned that yourself. The, the lie is the road to evil. And the question is, again, not what I make of it, but will it awaken that large number of people that has put up with the rot that has come from the universities over the course of my whole lifetime. That's the question. Will they awaken? It was okay when they when they taught kids that America is systemically racist, the least racist biracial country in the history of the world. Is that 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 was okay? It was okay for universities to say, of course, if you're 18, you could decide or even earlier, to have your breasts cut off if you think you're a boy. That's fine, because there's no such thing as binary sexual identity. It's non-binary. You are what you think you are. That was okay. So now, finally, some people, and certainly not all, are awakening to the moral cesspool that the university has become. And you, you mentioned the ADL. The ADL has bought into leftism. The ADL has actually, in my opinion, and I say this as a, as a Jew who has fought anti-Semitism his whole life, the ADL has probably, in the last, I don't know, 10 years, 20 years, created more anti-Semitism than it has reduced anti-Semitism. It doesn't only do bad, but it does plenty of it. It is run by woke people. That's, it was staggering that you told me that that girl who ripped down the posters worked at some point for the ADL. Right. I, I was I wasn't surprised. Right. So maybe maybe there will be an awakening. But uh, th the bottom line is 
there are tens upon tens of millions of people who want the Jews of Israel exterminated like the Nazis wanted the Jews of Europe exterminated. If you cannot acknowledge that fact, you, you, it is only because you do not want to acknowledge that fact. It is a fact. We saw a demonstration outside of the White House, I think it was two days ago, where these students, Hamas sympathizers, made it very clear, um, tried to actually breach the perimeter, the, the, the concrete barrier, in the face of armed security protecting the White House. Now, if this had been the other way, Dennis, it, you know, not, I'm not comparing it to January 6th, but I did learn from January 6th, you try to breach the perimeter around a U.S. government building and you're an insurrectionist. But these young people, I mean, what would make, and they're young women, a lot of them are young women. What would make a young woman go and get aggressive in the face of a Secret Service agent who is trying to protect the president? I'll show you the video. Ceasefire now. Stop genocide in Gaza. Look at them. These young women having to be shoved back by cops, Secret Service, I presume, trying to protect the president of the United States. What the hell? <laughs> we have a lot of lost young people and a disproportionate number of them are female. Uh, since I, either God or nature gave me a nature that attacks on me only emboldened me because I realize that I'm having an effect. So all, all the attacks uh, are actually helpful to, to, my, to my work. And I'm attacked a lot by the left for saying the following, that women are playing a disproportionate role in ruining uh, children in our country, for example. It is women overwhelmingly who teach elementary school, overwhelmingly are the librarians, are overwhelmingly the principals, are overwhelmingly the ones who advocate for a drag queen story hour for five-year-olds, who advocate that kids have body mutilating surgeries if they say that they are the other sex. There is a, a, There are a lot of lost men, but they spend their time apparently uh, uh, in some basement with video games and pornography and whatever else takes up their time. Uh, but a, a lot of the women are acting out in society. Uh, th why this is, is a, is a fascinating question. Uh, when I was a kid in a entirely, almost entirely different America, most young women were preoccupied with finding a good man. These women are the third generation that has essentially been told that a woman without a man is like a fish without a bicycle. And since they are fish without bicycles, they're not looking for bicycles because fish don't need bicycles. But men need women, women need men. And we are seeing the consequences of three generations of, of distortive teachings offered to young women in particular, but young men as well. Look, it's very hard to make a good society. The hardest thing in life is to make good people. We don't start out that good. That's the most important thing humans need to know if you want to make a good world. So is society working on making good people? 
let me give you uh, just one example that I've given for, for decades. I, I went to yeshiva, which is a Jewish religious school, half the day in Hebrew, half the day in English, an intensive education till I was 19. And I learned that the greatest problem, and by the way, you learn this in many Christian schools too. This is a religious teaching. I learned that the greatest problem in Dennis Prager's life is Dennis Prager. But in secular schools, you learn that the greatest problem in your life is America. That's an entirely different approach to trying to make a better society. And we now see the fruit of the second approach. It's very interesting. Those, those videos I just showed you, the two, the, the ripping down of the posters at NYU, two out of the three were women. The next video both shown were women. All the women, yep. all the people trying to storm the White House perimeter were women. One of the w women who got caught at NYU, who I said, blamed her behavior on her, her the difficulty of being a biracial brown woman. Yeah. <laughs> Just playing a, the woke card. Turn. Yeah. And that brings me that brings me to the the other thing that we're seeing here, which is the alignment of some of these far left wokesters, particularly associated with BLM, with these anti-Semitic groups that are coming out in support of Hamas that when faced with a terrorist attack, can't make the delineation between, you know, resistance and, you know, legitimate political differences, which of course is not exactly what's happening in the Middle East, and terror, terror that should be universally condemned easily and without really having to think it through. Um, so there's this woman, right? Of course, I'm biracial and I'm brown. That's why I, I pulled down the hostage posters. We saw BLM Chicago putting out the hand glider, the paraglider uh, promo saying, yeah, this is it. Way to go. BLM National refused to condemn the resurfaced clip of Patrice Cullors, who founded BLM, saying Israel needs to be eradicated. And now you have Ta-Nehisi Coates, who is one of the most celebrated black writers, who's one of these BLM heroes coming out. He's he was at MIT started off as a writer, a reporter. Then he wound up at MIT, NYU. Now he's at Howard. He and others wrote a letter defending this Palestine festival of literature that we referenced at which, you know, UPenn and others had this, had this festival and all these crazies came out and commenting on what just happened in Israel. And he says the following. When the U.S. State Department deletes a statement cause, calling for a ceasefire, you remember the State Department first put out that statement calling for a ceasefire through its Palestinian affairs branch, and then they deleted it. I mean, this was as the Israelis were still being killed, and, and they were, but they were talking to Israel, saying, don't, don't fight back. Then we fear we are watching an ethnic cleansing on a scale unseen in decades. Israel, you see, is engaging in ethnic cleansing, not Hamas. Uh, then he writes, the governments of the United States, UK, France, and others are participating in this crime by ramping up military support for Israel. On Saturday, writing of the day of the terrorist attack, after 16 years of siege, Hamas militants broke out of Gaza. More than 1,300 Israelis were subsequently killed. That's Ta-Nehisi Coates' description of the terrorist attack by these Hamas monsters. 
After 16 years of siege, Hamas militants broke out of Gaza and then passive voice. More than 1,300 Israelis were subsequently killed. So why is it? What is the connection between the BLM radicals and these anti-Israel radicals? So I, I referenced the book I wrote 35 years ago, Why the Jews? It's in its third edition. And with each subsequent edition, although it even began in the first, I, I, I and my co-author, Rabbi Joseph Tolishkin, uh, we wrote in it that anti-Americanism is in effect another expression of anti-Semitism. Hatred of America and hatred of the Jews generally go hand in hand. There are always exceptions, but not many. BLM hates America. It hates the West. It hates everything generally that you and I hold to be precious, like the nuclear family. And so it's not surprising whatsoever. I would be, it, 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 would, it would prove that I was wrong if BLM was pro-Israel or didn't, or just didn't even lie about Israel. Israel is engaged in ethnic cleansing. That's, isn't that the cousin of genocide? Then why are there more Palestinians? Israel gave up. See, one of the things that people need to understand is that this is all rooted in ignorance. How many young people in America at, at the most prestigious colleges, history majors, if you will, know that Israel gave the entire Sinai, a, a block of land, I believe, bigger than Israel itself, gave it to uh, Egypt because Egypt signed a peace treaty. And how, how many know that Israel said to the Gazans, okay, we're leaving. We, we, we have no interest in being here. Here, have, have Gaza. And as a result of, of that, rockets are sent in the thousands to kill as many Jews in Israel as possible. How many people know that the Palestinians were offered five times they were offered states? That Bill Clinton said at negotiations at Camp David, he said, it was Arafat's fault. Do people even know who Arafat was? The head of the PLO, the Palestine Liberation Organization. He was given 95% of, of Palestinian land to make a state and rejected it and then unleashed a massive amount of terror against Israelis. The whole edifice of the left and of the Islamists, of the, of the Israel haters, is based on lies because the only truth the only truth is they want Israel exterminated. The size of Israel is irrelevant. Mm. It's chilling. Chilling. Just... Yes, it is chilling. Because there's no parallel to Jew hatred. There never has been. And there's no parallel to Israel hatred. Iran announces, I mean, what more does one want? Iran, the, one of the most powerful states in the world, announces regularly its raison d'etre, its reason for being, is to destroy Israel. Are they fooling? Do people not take it seriously? Is there any parallel? In any disputes in the world, is extermination the aim of one of the powers? But people don't want to acknowledge this. This is the the, right. the ultimate lie that we are living, that Israel is, is, is the villain. I debated, it's on YouTube, people can watch it. I debated at Oxford a few years ago. You know what the theme was? 
Who is mm. the greater threat to peace in the Middle East, Hamas or Israel? And I began my my statement. One could see it, as I said, on, on YouTube, Duke Dennis Prager at Oxford. And I began my statement saying, I actually called Oxford. This is God's honest truth. And I said, I, I want to get this right. Is that really the debate subject? You mean Oxford University will entertain the possibility that Israel is a greater threat to peace than Hamas? And is it yes, yes, sir, that that is the debate. And sure it was, it was the debate. And I, I said, among other things, in the history of the modern world, is there an example of a free country, a democracy versus a tyranny? And it's the democracy that is the threat to peace. Give me one other example in history that in a battle between tyranny and freedom, the free state is the one that wants war. Mm. Oh, I got to see this. All right, good. That you yeah, gave me yeah. some homework for, you, you will, for later in the it. day. Not long. Watching Dennis Prager debate is always a pleasure because as you're gathering, the man knows his facts, he knows his history, and he has a way with them word things. All right, Dennis Prager stands by. More after this quick break. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. The U.S. president is, of course, in the Middle East right now meeting with the Israeli leaders. He was supposed to meet with some of the Arab leaders who then canceled on him in the wake of this hospital bombing. Um, which was wrongly, it appears, blamed on Israel. And now both the IDF and the American Pentagon saying it appears to have been fired from Hamas's side, uh, in particular Islamic Jihad, this other extremist group in Palestine. Um, the U.S. president just weighed in with a bit of a life lesson for the Israelis, him speaking. He was speaking here as somebody who had you know, lived through 9-11. He was, of course, a U.S. senator at the time. Here's what he had to say. But I caution this while you feel that rage. Don't be consumed by it. After 9-11, we were enraged in the United States. While we sought justice and got justice, we also made mistakes. I'm the first U.S. president to visit Israel in time of war. I've made wartime decisions. I know the choices are never clear or easy for the leadership. There's always cost. 
but it requires being deliberate. It requires asking very hard questions. It requires clarity about the objectives and an honest assessment about whether the path you're on will achieve those objectives. Hmm. You know, Dennis, I've been thinking about President Biden. He can't deny that he helped get us into this mess with his policies and his weakness. And yet you also, I think, can't help but root for the American president to handle this crisis with intelligence and care and savvy and a long term view toward what is best for the United States. You know, you've got to be I'm, I'm sure you are. I'm praying for him. I'm praying for Blinken. These are not people who I support as politicians, but in the role they're in, I want them to do well. And I want them, given the power they have to to make good decisions. It just seems like we're on the precipice here as you see the protests emerging in all of the Arab world. You know, we're on the precipice precipice of something potentially very, very dangerous. And he's he's going to be responsible in large part for how this plays out. Not not entirely but in large part. What do you make of his warnings on be careful? Well, first of all, with that I, rage? I want to just comment on, on your wish that he do well, that Secretary Blinken do well. And I share, I share your wish, by the way. And I was thinking, the people on the left ever say in something with as large an audience as you or I have that, well, you know, we may differ with Donald Trump but we certainly uh, pray for his success in whatever X, Y, or Z issue it might be. You, yeah. you, it, it, the imbalance is is quite apparent that I just thought I would note that uh, for, for a, a public uh, edification, if you will. Uh, th there is no parallel other than pain. And that's uh, that is a parallel between 9-11 and October 7th. First of all, in terms of population, the, the Jewish population of Israel lost not 3,000 as the American population lost horribly on 9-11, but uh, about 30,000 in equivalent terms to American population, probably even more. The Israelis that I have had on my radio show have noted that there is no Israeli who is more than one degree uh, away from knowing someone who was killed or someone who was kidnapped. Obviously, there was, there's no, there was no parallel uh, in 9-11. This does not minimize the horror of 9-11. It maximizes this horror. American babies were not taken uh, hostage to to some hostile place. I mean, see, mm. I, I, here's an important point, I think, against something I've realized my whole life. Evil is not dark because it's easy to look into the dark. It doesn't hurt your eyes. Evil is so bright that people can't look at it. And I saw that during the Cold War. When I, again, I was at you know, graduate school in international affairs. So I was at the, the Russian Institute and the Middle East Institute. And the, the professors at the Russian Institute almost uniformly 
looked at the Cold War as a battle between two superpowers. They removed the moral component. It wasn't freedom versus tyranny. It was superpower versus superpower. The, the, because it apparently it takes some degree of courage or at least overcoming one's own tendencies to say, you know what? Evil is evil. In retrospect, everyone says the Soviet Union was evil, but they didn't then. When Ronald Reagan said it was an, an evil empire, the New York Times and every newspaper, every major medium in America condemned him. How can you call them a, 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 an evil empire? And the answer is because they were an evil empire. Mm -hmm. The people are good at calling evil evil when it's dead, but it, that's irrelevant. The trick is to call evil evil while it is happening. And that mm -hmm. people are not uh, are, are often not prepared to do. The shoots of green that we referenced, you know, the silver lining, even though you, you I think you once put it this this way when we talked about this i'm not a pessimist i'm not an optimist i'm a realist <laughs> i like that um but there are some well, promising uh, signs yeah go ahead no well, i'm sorry i'm sorry I, I don't i didn't want to interrupt if you want to finish please go right ahead now did i get your quote right or wrong yes you did but so the, i'll just i'll amplify i find both optimism and pessimism uh, are often lead to inaction the pessimist thinks everything will turn out bad, so why fight? The optimist thinks everything will turn out good, so why fight? <laughs> so I don't know if either of them is at all helpful. All I care is if you fight. I, I don't care if you're a pessimist or an optimist or, or, or a cynic. Uh, uh, every day is just, you know, flowers blooming. All I care is do you fight? Yes. Well, they're fighting. They They are fighting. And it's amazing to see. Now, I'm somewhat discouraged by the fact that the guy who runs, you know, this big Apollo group, Mark Rowan at UPenn got ignored. <laughs> if that guy's going to get ignored with his billions, doesn't bode well for the rest of us. But if you get enough billionaires complaining to these universities, they'll listen because what happens is the university president has to go. That's what they want at UPenn. They want this woman McGill to go. And um, I think she's going to have to, given the amount of pressure that's now getting amped up on her. Um, Leonard no, which which louder, Ronald louder, uh, he of the Estee Lauder fortune, he wrote a letter to the UPenn president McGill, uh, very angry about that Palestinian festival and about the university's reaction to what's happened with Hamas. By the way, this is the same university that's bending over backwards to make sure Leah Thomas's feelings don't get hurt. Same university right. can't have any hurt feelings in the pool with but for of the man pretending to be a woman, but those Jews who are worried about dying. F them. OK, so they write they write a letter to her, Ronald Lauder, saying, I am so sorry that the graduates will now be tainted by their school's new reputation. You forced me to reexamine my financial support, absent satisfactory measures to address the anti-Semitism at the university. He writes, let me be as clear as I can. I do not want any of the students at the Lauder Institute, the best and brightest at your university, to be taught by any of the instructors who were involved with or supported this event, the one that, you know, the Palestinian festival. So he's making clear and voting with his dollars. Here's, um, we talked about Winston and Strawn. Um, oh, no, wait, let me stick on the universities. UPenn still. 
John, Jonathan Jacobson, big donor, wrote to President McGill saying, I'll accept Mark Rowan's challenge of pledging $1 a year until you leave. $1, because I don't want you to think it's accidental or that I've overlooked my annual donation. He writes, enough. It's time to reverse this trend of wokeism, is what he's complaining about, and restore our elite universities to the principles upon which they were founded as places of inquiry, where lively debate, diversity of opinion, and communication across lines of difference is not only cherished, but actually mandated. He writes, the university that I attended and which shaped me is virtually unrecognizable today, and the values it stands for are not American ones. Then you look over in the legal field, and you've got Winston and Strawn firing, uh, reversing or revoking the offer of that rhino workman who penned the letter at NYU, siding with Hamas entirely, blaming Israel. That was great. Another huge law firm, Davis Polk, has now revoked the authors, uh, the offers given to three of these students who signed the letters defending Hamas from Harvard and Columbia. Hello, you're replaceable, utterly replaceable. And they do better with students from other tiered schools anyway. You get the students from Harvard and Columbia and Stanford, you know what you're getting at this point. And then there's this guy, a UC Berkeley, Berkeley professor. Could you find a more leftist college institution who comes out saying, first in an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, then he went on Laura Ingram last night, saying, do not hire my anti-Semitic law students. And I'm telling you, they're out there. Here he is making the point in part on her show last night. What we have in our universities and what people are seeing now is what's been going on for decades. And frankly, it's moral equivocation, um, justification for persecution of Jews, justification for statements that um, frankly defy critical thinking. Our universities become a bubble where the law school that I'm at, the university I'm at, um, we teach political ideology. And that political ideology does not allow for Jews to be involved. And it does not, and it allows this type of conduct. Clearly, Dennis, all these people, the law school professors, the big donors have been simmering for the past few years as these universities explode into ideological centers, as opposed to places that teach you how to think critically. And this seems to have pushed a lot of them over to the point where they are ready to fight. They are ready to speak out. And it's, it is encouraging. You know, it, it's, I'm, I don't mean to lose sight of the fact that we have 1400 dead Israelis that helped get them there. I mean, they talk about needing something extreme. A lot of us were there but without that, but I, like you, I'm sure welcome them to the fight. If this is what awakens the liberal, uh, uh, a lot of conservatives took issue with me when I divided, as I do every single day, between liberalism and leftism. The tragedy is that liberals don't make that division. They don't realize that the left is out to destroy liberalism as much as it is to destroy conservatism. If this is the uh, awakening, then both of us obviously would say that there is something massively good to come out of it. There is a voice in me that uh, is worried that it may not last, uh, but I welcome any any awakening that will take place 
uh, on the among the liberal masses, if you will. You know, my first education about UPenn was when the English department, the English department, took down its large mural of William Shakespeare, the greatest writer who ever wrote in the English language. You would think that that's what the English department at any university, let alone an Ivy League one, would celebrate. But they took it down and they said why? Because he was a white European male. And so they put up a non-white, non-male who was gay, whom no one heard of. Because they don't celebrate English at the or English literature at the English department. They celebrate race-based ideology. This did not awaken the liberal. Leah Thomas did not awaken the liberal. A man who shows his genitals to the females uh, in, in, on the swim team because he says he's a, he's a woman and then competes and defeats women in swimming when he couldn't defeat men in swimming. This didn't awaken them. All right. Then I welcome, hello, liberals. Now you know what we have been talking about all these years with regard to the universities and the high schools and the elementary schools. But did it really have to take literal genocidal aims against Jews once again to awaken you? And if it did, welcome. We want you and we embrace you. But there were a lot of signs prior to October 7th. Yeah. Better late than never. Yes, that's um, right. Bless you. That's right. The professor at Cornell, another Ivy League, uh, his name is Russell Rickford. He was out there saying it's exhilarating to see all these, you know, see what Hamas did. He was excited by all the dead Israelis, apparently. That's what he, that's the word he used. Um, he was not named by Cornell. Cornell put out, the president put out a statement saying, oh, I'm horrified. And, you know, random professors who say things, they don't speak for the university. We named him. And I have no problem with that. Just FYI, he canceled his class yesterday because, quote, a family member had an urgent medical issue. <laughs> sure, Russell. Sure. But I just want to point out the, the double standard because schools like Cornell, and I remember that one in particular, they made the life of guys like William Jacobson, Bill Jacobson, a living hell. He was a professor who pointed out some of the nonsense about BLM and called them out on the rioting and the looting. They named him. They had no problem coming out against him and another professor there who dared to object to that nonsense. But this guy so far is having them run cover and is getting away with lies like, oh, sick family member. He should have nothing to do with students. He should be fired. He should be dismissed immediately, as should all of these professors. Having a political difference is one thing. Supporting terror in the wake of dead civilians, 1,400 of them, is quite another. Dennis Prager. You were the man for the occasion. Thank you so, so much for being here. All the best to you. It's an honor to be with you. Mm. Uh, my heart goes out today to our Israeli friends. I just think about, you know, my Jewish friends sending their kids to school on a day like this, a, d- a day of rage. Another one? Didn't we just have like a day of jihad last week? Now we got a day of rage. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to steal something from Dan Bongino. Fuck your day of rage. Okay? Fuck your day of rage. This is America. We're going to go out. We're going to live our lives. We're going to exercise reasonable caution, but we're not going to live in fear. And I I pray that the Israelis can do the same 
at some point soon. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.